Welcome to Trailblazing Techs. And today we have Macy Sutherland, who is currently a digital media manager, but also a triathlete and currently an expat living in Argentina. So welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So how is everything down in Argentina currently? So um, we've been on like full on lockdown since March 19th, I think. Wow. Um, Things are, they, you know, they have kind of a progressive plan in place to start letting up on certain um, restrictions. Mm-hmm. And um, now things like, uh, like hair salons are open, which kind of boggles my mind. But like slowly but surely they're allowing, um, you know, more movement around the country. Mm-hmm. We're still, um, they preliminarily said that um, until September, all flights, international and domestic, oh, wow. have been grounded. So it's kind of like, well, we're stuck here yeah, um, for the time being, but at least um, as of today, we're allowed to actually go for a recreational walk of no more than 500 meters from your home, albeit, but it's like a little step in the right direction. Yeah. That's actually crazy. I didn't know about the, the flights and stuff like that. I I know there's been, I know other countries have talked about similar things, but I guess it makes sense, right? You don't want people coming in and out of the country, especially as countries have dealt with the issue completely differently. So exactly. certainly. And being a third world country, I mean, they had to take into, a, into account the fact that the healthcare system just really cannot handle, mm-hmm. um, you know, a horrible pandemic like we saw in Spain and mm-hmm. Italy. They kind of saw that as what would happen here. Yeah. Um, and initially the cases that were confirmed here in Argentina were people that who had traveled, mostly nationals who had been abroad traveling and came back yeah. from, from what I've read. Yeah. Interesting. And so, you know, with the pandemic, I know you were um, impacted, you were initially furloughed, but actually just recently you have been rehired. So, you know, what has that process been like? I mean, here in the States, there's a lot of furloughing going on. There's a lot of layoffs going on, but just kind of walk us through, you know, the process and then how the rehire came about and, you know, what it feels like to be employed again. Yeah. So I guess around maybe March 26th, um, I got an email saying, Hey, we're forced by local government um, to close, close up shop. So mm-hmm. um, really they only kept on two people on salary. Everyone else was furloughed. So um, I just kind of went with it, took over, you know, all of my housewife duties that I kind <laughs> of would shrug off. Cause I'm like, I work, I don't yeah, have yeah. to do that. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of went full fledged into that and kind of gave myself other little goals and things to work on Mm -hmm. uh, in the meantime. So on Sunday, I got an email saying, we're ready to hire you back. We're, you know, now that local governments are starting to allow for our businesses to reopen, um, you know, there was work for me to do. So it was kind of hit the ground running for me. Um, I do digital media management. So, you know, we're putting out a lot of content, um, COVID related and kind of, you know, procedures and what to expect, you know, when uh, customers come into our businesses, things like that, just kind of informational stuff that has to be done, you know, or not has to be, but, you know, we have to think about our image and, and think about the safety of our, both our customers as well as our staff. So 
Okay. So you work for a company that's based in the States. You currently live in Argentina. Got it. Yes. Um, so where do you live in Argentina exactly? So I live in a place called Neuquén. The province is Neuquén. I live in the capital of that province, which is also called Neuquén. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's, it, a lot of people would recognize Patagonia. Yeah. That's the region we live in. So okay. we're actually kind of in the northern part of Patagonia. So um, we're about five hours from Bariloche and um, San Martin, which are kind of the ski resort areas. Mm -hmm. It looks like, like mini Switzerland, beautiful, like blue, just like the most gorgeous mountain lakes, you know, just like yeah. blue, blue, blue water. Um, but that's like a five hour drive from where we are. Where, where we live looks a lot like, um, like Midland, Texas, but with a little <laughs> bit more um, elevation change. Yeah. So I've been to Patagonia in Argentina. Levi and I oh. went a couple years ago. We went pretty far south though. We went down to like Ushuaia. Yeah. Um, and that was cool. It was beautiful. We saw penguins, which I was very happy Rad. to see. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> Except we went in the summer. So the sun was up like the entire day. And that was weird. Dude, that's so nice though. <laughs> it is nice. But when you're sleeping and you like go to sleep and it's 11 and the sun is still up and then you wake up at like three and the sun is back up, you're just like, you're just like, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I feel you on that. We, so yeah, but we like, loved it. That's the Patagonia most people think about like yeah. when you say Patagonia, but we're quite a bit north of north, that. For sure. Yeah. For sure. It's huge because it goes over into Chile, right? Yeah. 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 We, uh. We went and we did the whole penguin thing and we just wanted to like just go out in the mountains and stuff like that. And like you said, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. People were awesome. The food was really, really good in Argentina as well. Um, so I was <laughs> A lot happy. of meat, a lot of steak. A lot of steak. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then we were in Buenos Aires for a little bit. And so you get like the Italian influence as well. So mm -hmm. um, it was cool. So Anyway, so how long have you been in Argentina? It's been a couple of years. Yeah, so we moved here um, in January. It was two years ago. And what made y'all move? Uh, so my husband works for uh, an oil and gas company. So um, we were living in Midland, Texas, and we had been there for five years. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we met. And he started hearing kind of, kind of like rumors that, uh, his company was maybe going to start sending engineers down here. So mm -hmm. I'm like tapping on the shoulder. I'm like, talk to whoever you got to talk to. Like, yeah, I yeah. want to go. Let's yeah, for do sure. this. Awesome. And so, you know, you moved down there for the job. You guys are kind of doing the expat life. Um, but there is a language change, obviously. And so where we yeah. went to school, we, you take Spanish pretty much the moment you, st or you take a language and you start with Spanish. And then when you get to middle school, you can do French and Latin. And mm -hmm. I don't know if there's others, but, um, you know, how was your Spanish before you got there? So, I mean, not to like humble brag or anything, but like, I always kind of had a knack for Spanish. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I had some sort of Spanish instruction and or influence since I was probably like four, like in pre-K. Um, and so, yeah, when we got to middle school, it's like, oh, I'm already pretty good at Spanish yeah. know, or decent for that level. And I was like, well, I'll just continue with that. And then, you know, got to high school, did the two years that were required of me and was like, 
I'll keep going. Why not? Did you, you do, know? Did you do AP Spanish? Yeah, I did. Okay. I only got um, the Spanish four. I, I couldn't make the <laughs> leap to AP. I got the Spanish four and that was, that was it. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like our Spanish program at our school was, I mean, I feel like it was very advanced compared to like talking to people who, who went to some of the other schools in our area. It sounds yeah. like we got like really good instruction. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Because ma- the classes were harder. Yeah, and and I would agree because I actually minored in Spanish in college only because like I had made it so far. Like I didn't take AP, right. but I got to Spanish four. And at that point, you know, every tense and conjugation, and the only thing that you really need to expand at that point is more like vocabulary and like conversation. Exactly. So I got to college, and I think I I started in like a three hundred one course, and I was like, yeah. oh man, like. Mm, this might be tough <laughs> and we're learning um preterite versus imperfect and I was like no you're like oh my god they drilled I, this into me yeah like I was like not again years. yeah not again but yeah I had I had Senora Hill for three of my four years and she was hard um if she's she was hardcore yeah if she's listening um she was a hard teacher but I respect it because I was able to get a minor in Spanish and I felt like I got to college and knew a lot more than I thought I did. Yeah, we had so many great Spanish teachers. And I think that also probably encouraged us to stick with it because Mm -hmm. while they were really hard on us and made us do the annoying uh, kind of mundane writing down all the different verb conjugations for every verb we ever learned, um, it really did, I mean, set the stage for continuing that education. So yeah. kind of like you, like I, I went to college, I did some, I did some study abroad in high school, uh, I think two oh, yeah. summers. Yeah, One I time I, I went to Spain, um, Northern Spain with a group from our school. And then the next summer I went to central Mexico, um, mm-hmm. on my own with a program and that like, those were really fun trips, but I yeah. definitely like you're living with someone who speaks zero English for the most part. So you either learn how to communicate in Spanish or you don't eat the things that you want to (laughs) eat. You know, it's kind of like sink or swim for sure. But when I got to college, I, um, I tested out of the first two years, I think of Spanish. And, um, then I was like, well, might as well, you know, might as well get a minor in it. So I started on along that path and met with my advisor um, maybe my junior year and they were like you only need three additional classes based on what you've done so far to get a major I was like I'm gonna do that yeah those, yeah those last few classes though were really tough it was like a lot of essay writing yep. a lot of you know like really dense literature and linguistics and things like that uh, yeah I took a I took I think my last Spanish class for my minor was yeah it was like linguistics and also a lit a literature course and like mm-hmm. literature in college in English is hard enough I was majoring in right? English <laughs> I was majoring in English and then I'm, I'm like reading you know literature in Spanish and like I thought my head was spinning but you know I I don't use my Spanish as regularly as you do but it comes in handy in like really random situations I can't speak it not that I ever spoke it well I can't really speak it anymore but I can understand it just fine and I can get like my point across if I have to like <laughs> For example, <laughs> when we were in Argentina, uh, we were there like New Year's, over New Year's, and Levi got food poisoning, 
and oh, everything gosh. in Buenos Aires was shut down New Year's Day, like even like convenience stores. And so I find mm-hmm. this one and I go in and like in Spanish, I'm just like, his stomach hurts. I need something for his stomach. Like, that's what I say. Like something <laughs> super blunt, very straightforward. Yeah. And he basically says, oh, he's hung over. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like he's sick. <laughs> Esta enfermo. Like, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so she gives me this, bo- not even a box, but she shows me a box. She takes one pill out of it. And she's like, here you go. <laughs> I was like, what? I-, I was like, what is this? And I was like, la caja, por favor. Like, I was like, I wanted to read the yeah. box. But I couldn't read it at the end of the day because it was like medical terms in Spanish. But anyway, got my point across, gave Levi this sketchy pill. He was good to go. But um, but yeah, I I would agree with you. Like there was a lot of legwork that was done to make us decent at Spanish. And then if if you like yourself are now in this opportunity where you live in a Spanish speaking country, like you're not starting over. You can at least somewhat communicate. And then I would imagine in your two years there, your skill skills have increased incredibly. Oh, absolutely. And just like, I don't have to think as hard about speaking, you know, it just kind of comes out being locked inside for over two months though. I I was talking to someone today and I was just like, why aren't my words coming to me? You know, it's like, it really is use it or lose it. But I will say, you know, living in Midland, I didn't use my Spanish very much. I was a reporter at the time. And every once in a while, I'd get someone to be like, I don't speak English. I'm like, I'll ask you a question in Spanish and just, yeah. dub, you know, dub it or like subtitle it. Um, but just really didn't use it nearly as much as I should have. Yep, yep. Um, so the first day I got to Argentina, I moved down here sight unseen. My husband had come for a couple quick trips. Yep. Um, but I'm definitely much better Spanish speaker than he is. And we get here and we brought two dogs with us Mm -hmm. and they went cargo. So we had to go through this. Oh my God. It was like the most insane process to get them out of customs. I bet it, it took us six hours from the time we landed to the time we got our dogs out of their crates to use the restroom. Yeah. It It was, it was not a fun situation, but like the whole time we had another couple that moved down here with us from mm-hmm. Midland. And not only was I translating, trying to figure out the situation for myself, but also for them. And it was yeah. like, oh my God, my mind feels like it's going to explode. I bet. You know, just like hit the ground running with the Spanish thing. But like you said, sink or swim, right? And uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when people come to the States, we're guilty of it, right? We just rattle off English and we're just like, you know, you got yeah. it. And, um, but anyway, so Spanish, your skills have increased. What's your favorite thing about being an expat and, and living down there? Oh, man. I mean, it is like a really rewarding experience, especially for someone that spent the better part of two decades studying the language, like yeah. actually getting to to not only like, be able to put all of that to use but to get to know the culture yeah like yeah. I love Argentines are so friendly isn't like the best word for it it's just like they're very like touchy-feely and and very welcoming mm-hmm. um so even you know they, they see a foreigner trying to speak Spanish it makes them happy it starts a conversation and they just they're just like you know if you ever need anything let me know I want they want to help and yeah and it's hard to tell if that's just kind of like the nice thing to say, but in my experience, like Argentines really do have this sense of 
family and connectedness. Like they just want to be around people. They want to help people. Um, so that's been one of my favorite parts. Yeah, for sure. When we were down in Ushuaia, we went to like a grocery store and it was the weirdest setup I've ever seen. To this day, I've never seen anything like it. It was like, you get this little, like, I don't even know. It almost reminds me of something you grab, like a buzzer for a restaurant and it's like Mm -hmm. a number. And then basically like one of the cashiers will eventually like have your number and like you have to like grocery shop in this like time limit. Anyway, I was so weird. I didn't know like what the heck this thing was. And some girl like noticed I was so confused and she spoke (laughs) very little English. I spoke very little Spanish, but like together we were able to like fill in the gaps. But I was like really grateful because I literally was like, we have no food. How am I going to buy food if I can't figure out how to even like get to the cashier like I was so confused but I would agree everyone was very helpful at least or willing you know what I mean like I'm sure I asked ridiculous questions I'm sure I asked it in the worst Spanish but (laughs) they still helped but if you make the effort like that's that's huge yeah I try I try so (laughs) as I'm sitting here I see a bike behind you so I want to shift gears a little bit Uh, definitely wanted to talk about your expat experience I think that's cool and one thing too that was kind of cool about where we grew up a lot of kids grew up all over the world a lot of them were expats so yeah I kind of always admired I I was always super envious of that yeah like there's one person in particular that comes to mind uh Mary Powell yeah yeah MP um you know I remember we when we found out she lived in Japan we're like oh my god say something in Japanese you're like we're just like like, so Yeah, she lived in like Belgium. Yeah. And Natalie's someone that, you know, lived overseas. Like there's right. so many people that, yeah, it was like, oh, this is so cool. And, you know, I didn't, after the age of five, I didn't move. <laughs> so, right. so, yeah, I like, I was in the woodlands from like almost day one. So I feel you on that. It's like, why don't we, why don't we ever live anywhere other than here? Yeah, right. <laughs> But um, I am grateful I didn't have to move schools uh, a lot. Yeah. So that's one silver lining. But definitely wanted to share that. I think it's cool. Like you said, I always admired um, people who lived abroad and took kind of the challenge, especially in adulthood, right? When you're a kid, it's kind of like, well, this is where dad, mom and dad's going. So we're going. Um, but I do see that bike behind you. So I did want to talk about kind of your journey into being a triathlete and and not to poke fun but I won't lie when you first started like dabbling in this <laughs> I, I was a little taken aback I won't lie because I, I I when I think of Macy I think of in school like you riding horses and cheerleading yeah. and so, oh my God. so okay. when you the cheerleading part is not indicative of who I am that was like that was like a fun, a fun thing I did senior year. So that's fair. That's fair. Let's not get caught up on the journey. Okay. Okay. But you did ride horses. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, so yeah. So I guess like, you know, how, how did that come about? Because that's a very drastic change, right? Even if, even someone like me who always played like basketball or soccer, triathlons is a big jump as well. So totally. How did that, how did that happen? So yeah, like, like you said, like I rode horses and that was after many years of my parents trying, like, (laughs) bless them. They tried to get me into something and I tried, we tried it all. We, I think, what was it? Soccer, softball, track and field or cross country. Freaking hated cross country. I remember you running cross country. Hated it. Um, which is kind of funny, uh, especially now, but really like, tried gave a lot of 
sports, the old college try, and nothing stuck. So finally did horses, and that was really, you know, all fine and dandy. I loved it. I, I love animals in general, so that was like a fun sport for me. Um, but yeah, you know, in college, I, I there were several periods over my life where I tried to be a runner for whatever reason. You know, it was like, oh, I want to be skinny or whatever. Um, and it never stuck. I was like, okay, if I'm going to work out, running's not going to be it. Yeah. But, um, when I was in Midland, uh, I met a guy, um, I'm now married to that guy, (laughs) (laughs) but he, um, he used to be like actually a really elite triathlete. He started doing triathlons when he was seven. His mom saw like a, an article or, you know, event in the newspaper yeah. decided to take her two boys there and they both kind of fell in love with it. You know, it was like a great outlet for yeah. little boys to get some energy out of their system. Yeah, for sure. um, and they both actually stuck with it for quite a while. And Sam uh, went on to become a junior elite, um, I think national champion, at least once one or two years, you know, competed on an international level. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the guys he used to compete against are now like on their respective countries Olympic teams, which I think is really cool. He yeah, he's like, sure. I'm a has been, don't say that. <laughs> no, that's um, awesome. That's just the competition really cool. that he was with. So yeah. when I met him, I knew like nothing, absolutely nothing about triathlon. Uh, you know, you probably had to start with explaining what three sports that entailed, which is swimming, biking, and running. Yep. Um but I don't know how it really happened, but eventually we'd probably been dating about a year and he was like, Hey, I want, you know, he'd kind of taken a break from triathlon when he's was in college and started working. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, I've been wanting to get back in triathlon. I think it's something that we could enjoy doing together. And I was like, uh, I hate running. Yeah. 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 Like I had no background in really any of the sports, um, other than, you know, not drowning when I was in a pool and, you know, like being able to stay upright on a bike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but somehow he convinced me, he's like, listen, we'll do a super sprint. We'll train, or you can train for a super sprint, which is, um, I think the swim was like about 400 meters. It was probably yards. I, I don't know, maybe 500 yards, a 12 mile bike and a two mile run, which is actually a bit shorter than a normal triathlon of that yeah. distance. It would normally be three miles. So it was like, okay, I can do that. Like I can, I can maybe run two miles, but at that point I couldn't run um, a quarter mile without stopping. So, I mean, it was a, it was a huge change for me. For sure. And yeah. And it just slowly evolved from that. I was going to say, yeah, like going from like, I run, I wouldn't consider myself a runner, but I do run and I like run. You're a runner. It's it's as simple as that. Oh, there's no criteria other than you have to run to be a runner. Okay. I like it. <laughs> but what I do like about running is like, it's so simple in the sense that like, I'm not saying it's not hard, but it's simple. Yeah. Like you, you can walk, put your shoes on, walk out your door and go do it. And then it's really hard to be distract, like do anything else. Right. You can't like answer yeah. your phone. Well, I mean, you could, but that'd be difficult. You can't <laughs> like text, you can't answer your phone. You're not answering emails. So like, that's why I like running so much because it's like, I can walk out my door. I don't have to necessarily like go somewhere. 
and I can do it. And so during quarantine, I've kind of like a friend of mine was like, you run like five to six miles a lot. Like, why don't you try like for a half? And I was like, eh, nah. And then she was like, well, why don't you just try like seven miles? And I ran it and I was like, oh, that was fine. Yeah. And then eight and then nine. And then yesterday I ran 10. I won't lie. My legs, Damn, my legs are <laughs> so sore. And I did a lot of rookie mistakes. Like I'm learning too, right? Like yeah. the hydrate, what you need to carry. And I was dehydrated. Like I, I felt like garbage miles seven to 10. Like I felt pretty Ooh. miserable. Did you but, eat anything? No, that was also a rookie mistake. Yeah. Um, so I'm <laughs> learning as well, but, but what's your favorite thing about competing and training for these triathlons? So I think it's just kind of the, so the Ironman motto is anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And I think not to be like cliche or anything, but the sport has really taught me that like I am capable of anything and really anyone is capable of anything. It's, you know, it just depends what your goals are and you know, how, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain, but it, it has taught me, like, like I said, I started from literally zero and now I'm an Ironman. You know, I've completed a full Ironman, um, and I never would have thought that possible. And anyone that knew me growing up, you know, was just like, wait, what? Who are you? Um, but one thing that's really cool about competing, or two things, actually. So one thing is, um, at least at, like, Ironman distance events, half Ironman and Ironman, um, you're competing on the exact same course at the exact same time as all of the pros, that's cool. Plus everyone else at the event. So it's yeah. really cool. Like, you know, you look up to these people in sport, like world champions mm-hmm. and they fly by you on the bike and you're like, that's so cool. Like yeah, we're yeah. doing the same race. <laughs> Obviously they do it probably twice as fast as you do, but, or at least me. Um, but it's really cool. And then the second thing is, is you go to a race and I think people have it in their mind that a triathlete is like, a certain body type, you know, just like super like fit, lean people, but you go to any, any triathlon and you'll see people of all shapes, sizes, uh, ages, different backgrounds. And it's just, it's, it really brings people together and people, while there are people that are super competitive about it and that's fine and dandy. Um, I feel like people are super supportive. Like I did a, there's also off-road, off-road triathlons called Xteras. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I did one up in Beaver Creek. Uh, It ended up being my first ever Xterra because the one I was going to do in Texas, which was a lot less of um, elevation change, got canceled due to flooding. So first, first Xterra out of the gate, I'm climbing from Avon like all the way up past, right. like past the base of Centennial at Beaver Creek. Yeah. <laughs> like, and just so, the altitude. Yeah. In general. Exactly. So like brutal, brutal race, but all these, you know, kick-ass, like rad Colorado girls are, you know, like climbing past me on the bike and they're just like, great job. You're doing great. Keep yeah. it up. Like everyone's like positive and, uh, and encouraging. So it's a sport where yes, it's competitive, but people like they want to support you in the sport as well. 
Yeah, and I think there's something to be said with just like how tough an Ironman is or a triathlon. Like it's no easy feat no matter who you are, right? And so exactly. I think and no one is born doing triathlon. So I think everyone remembers, right, kind of the humble beginnings of I mean, most people, I don't know, but most people I would assume are not like your husband and started at seven years old. And no. Most yeah. people get into it like probably around when I did, you know, mid twenties, even later, like people, some people are starting in their fifties Yeah, and there are people that continue in the sport or even start the sport later than that. Like there's, um, there's people in their like eighties that do crazy. triathlons. Yeah. It is absolutely insane. Good for them. I mean, I'm, I'm 28 and I'm not doing triathlons. So <laughs> good, good, for, good for them. So so with that though, I mean, obviously, like I said, no one is born doing a triathlon, right? Like, you know, yeah. you, think of, you think of some of the most elite athletes in the world, LeBron James, Lionel Messi, right? Put all those people, ask them to go do a triathlon, right? Like you have to train for it. No one can just wake up and do it. So what is right. like a normal, I'm sure your training days vary day to day, but right. kind of run us through like maybe a week of okay. your training and what goes into it. Yeah, so a lot of that depends on what distance race you're training for, what kind of fitness you come into it with. But for me personally, um, so also my my mother-in-law is an Ironman coach, or yeah. she really coaches all of it. She has like every certification you could possibly imagine. <laughs> but um, typically how we'll put together a training plan will be like Monday, Wednesday, Fridays will be a run and maybe a strength training session. And then Tuesday, Thursdays might be um, a swim and a bike. Mm-hmm. So you're usually you're looking at um, probably one to two sessions a day. Right. Um, then usually the weekends, especially if you're if you're training for a longer distance, like half half Ironman, full Ironman, the weekends are dedicated to your long runs, your long bikes. Yeah. Um, usually like Thursday for me is when I do what's called a brick, which is a bike with a run immediately after, um, which trains your body for that weird sensation of going from a bike where you, you know, it's a low impact exercise to be like pounding the ground with your legs when you feel like jello. Right. Um, but like the most basic way to describe it is we strive to do three sets three sessions of each sport per week. So Mm -hmm. that's our goal. And that can be a lot when you're working full time or doing any other extracurriculars, if you have family. Um, So that's our goal three times a week for, for each sport. A lot of times it ends up being more like two. Um, And sometimes it'll be, you know, if you have a strength, say you came in as a runner, you think your run's good you might focus a little bit more on the swim and the bike, yep. things like that. So, so maybe you, you shoot for three of each sport, but you know, you're feeling a little run down and you have uh, you know, a little more extra work to do on a run day. So you might just say, you know, I'm going to skip this run because yep, yep. one, one missed uh, training session is not going to make or break you, especially when you're in it for the long haul training, training for six months for an Ironman. Right, right, right or more. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That was always one thing I wondered, like, how do you manage the time? Because there's three different sports that are involved. And so I don't know, to me, swimming and then getting on a bike, (laughs) like, 
I don't know. I don't know if I have that in me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. And you, it's something you have to practice because going from a horizontal position, swimming, yep. and you get up and you have to run to your bike. Yeah. It's, it's a very weird sensation. And like, if you're not ready for it, <laughs> I have, I have the best. I made a gif of my husband, the first, that first triathlon we did together, obviously yeah. not his first, my first, um, the mats getting out of, it was like on a, a boat launch. Yeah. So they put mats to, you know, cause usually algae builds up on that. Yeah. I think the mats moved or something and he took, took that first step and it was like, Oh. almost ate it he caught it right at the end but it's it turned that into a gif and it's pretty amusing it's it's a good one that's <laughs> oh, amazing so good making a gif of your husband I mean that's, that's I know that's goals kind of mean but <laughs> so have you done any triathlons so you talked about the what's it called the xterra uh-huh so you did that in the states have you done anything like that or any triathlons in Argentina so we haven't done any Xterras down here. I'm not as gung-ho about them because I fall a lot on my mountain bike. Like, yeah, that's fair. Pretty much anytime I get on it, I have some sort of like blood or bruises going on after. Great. I'm just not yeah. that great at it. Like, I'll be honest. I'm not great at it. Yep, yep. Um, so we've actually, we did our full Ironman here in Argentina in a place called Mar del Plata. Um, and I've done a half Ironman up in Bariloche, like up in the mountains. Nice, nice. And uh, Mar del Plata was brutal. Um, and I hated most of it. Yeah. But it also was my first full Ironman. So that's like, you know, it'll always hold a special place in my heart. Yeah, for sure. I fought hard for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I assume, I assume the Ironman community down there is similar to what you were explaining, you know, up in the States, like supportive and... Yeah, super supportive. Um, it's different. Um, down here, I mean, with the way the economy is in Argentina and has been for a long time, it's a sport that's harder to get into. Um, mm -hmm. Just with cost being like the biggest barrier to entry. Sure. Um, but out in Mar del Plata, like there was still like a lot of fanfare about the event, sure. uh, which was really cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, as I was trying to think of people to have on this podcast, wanted to think of people with kind of unique stories and, you know, stick to the theme of blazing your own trail, right. Or, or being a trailblazer. And so, you know, you and your husband have done that by moving down to Argentina and completely immersing yourself into a new culture, a new country, uh, your husband's learning more Spanish than you are, but you both are still like learning and getting better. And then, yeah. also, you know, taking the plunge and being a triathlete, you know what I mean? Like, like you kind of joked, if you knew you earlier in life, you kind of are like, where the heck did this come from? But sometimes it just takes, you know, a push or an influence. And then next thing you know, it's something that you're into and you're completely hooked yeah. on. You're so into it, like way into it. Yeah. Well, I feel like you <laughs> like have way to be. too many bikes in my house into it. Yeah. I can imagine. I feel like you have to be, right? You you just have to kind of just have that mindset of like this is what I'm gonna do. And you Oh can, yeah. And like you said, right? Like the the Iron Man um motto, what is it? Anything is Any, possible? Yep. Anything, Anything is, is possible. possible. And you know, not to equate my running journey to being in an Ironman, but you kind of just get to a point where it's mental. You're just like, 
I've trained, I'm going to do it and I can do it. And, and no one said it's going to be fun. No one said it's going to be pretty, but you can do it. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And that's something like in the triathlon community, especially the long course triathlon Ironman events, we talk about a lot is mental, mental toughness, mental training, because a lot of it is mental. If you're, if you're sat on a bike for six hours at a time, like you better believe you are in your head and mm -hmm. sometimes it is not a fun place to be. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, if you set, if you set your mind to a certain goal and you put your money where your mouth is, AKA spend $800 to sign up for a race. Yeah, true. There's some incentive to like stick with it. You're like, Hey, okay. Well, I've not only have I told people I'm doing this, I've spent the money. Like now I just got to show up. Now you just got to do it. Yeah. 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 The, the mind is a powerful thing and, uh, you know, it takes practice. It's like any other muscle, right? You have to train it. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, you can be like Macy doing, uh, triathlons all yeah. over the place. Um, and you know, th there's also been a lot of bleed over into just like my personal life as well. Like, I feel like having a sport or something that you're like super dedicated to can improve your life, not only in like your physical fitness, but like time management, like yeah. you, you mentioned this, like you do have to be like really conscious of your time management when you're trying to train for multiple sports and doing that on top of any kind of extracurriculars. Like when I trained for my first half Ironman, we, um, my husband and I were both working full time, working on our MBAs yeah. and training for this race. And it was like, yeah. some days you're just like, I can't do it. <laughs> But, but that's awesome. Good know. for you guys. I mean, yeah. I, me personally, I find if I'm busier, I'm actually more effective um, because you have to be organized, right? You block off your calendar, you make the time and like anything else, if it's important to you, you make the time. And again, no one said it's going to necessarily be fun. It might be a 4am wake up call or it might be a late night run or whatever, but if you decide to do it, you can do it. You just got to be organized. Amen, sister. <laughs> Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I, I definitely wanted to chat about kind of your expat experience and, and what it's like to train for uh, a triathlon. We'll see how my uh, half marathon goes. And then uh, are you going to do an actual half marathon? Yeah, I'm going to sign up. Well, I don't know if they're like scheduling any races anytime soon. They're not. A lot of them are getting pushed, but yeah. my friend and I are kind of eyeing some in the fall to just see if they stay uh, available. So we're kind of just like working and saying like, that's roughly going to be when we do it. Um, yeah. So cool. who knows? You know, it, I'll, I'll tell you, it's a slippery, slippery slope. I, I can you imagine. Might, you're going to get to the end of that marathon. You're like a half marathon. You're going to be like, you know, I could do a full. Well, that's what everyone says. And I, I have a pretty obsessive personality too. So like, it's one of the, like, I've already found myself where I'm like, okay, when am I going to go run 11 miles? Um, cause you did the 10 or whatever. Um, I have to be able to walk better. My legs are sore, but yeah. I get it. Um, but it's, it's an accomplishment, right? You feel good about yourself. You're like, I did it. I never thought I could do it. Whether it's like you running your first two miles, or if you're finishing a triathlon, like it's still an accomplishment. That's the cool thing about it is you're, you can compete with other people if you want, if you're on that level, but it's a big competition with yourself, which is something that I appreciate.
Totally. Well, I'm getting excited for you. Just like you did 10, mi- 10 miles. Like that's huge. Stay you tuned. Is. Stay tuned. I'll keep uh, you posted you know, on all be. of it and I'll probably uh, hit you up for some tips so I don't dehydrate myself and feel like my body is yeah. crumbling as I finish. I can definitely help you out. I've learned the hard way as well. Awesome. Well, good deal. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I appreciate you sharing your story and I hope, um, you know, those listening find it, you know, interesting, helpful, and, uh, you know, learn something from it. Me too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'll see you soon.